you guys are confusing the issue. Why you guys are busy worrying about if R. Kelly even peed on this girl or not? You're not asking yourself the real question that America needs to decide once and for all. And that question is, how old is 15 really? I'm here with Keith Denny. What's happening, y'all? And Aaron Lanton. Yo, what's going on? I always pronounce Lanton like Manhattan. That is fine with me. It makes me sound a little cooler. Like those like <laughs> 90s New York kids. Uh, this <laughs> episode, we're checking in on a couple of Me Too related things. Hashtag Me Too related things. The first is the Asia Argento situation. And the other is Louis C.K.'s surprise return to comedy. Um, why don't we start with Louis C.K.? Does anybody just have, like, a gut reaction to it? Did you think it was too soon? Uh, too soon. Uh, I've forgotten when he left. Um, (laughs) but I think anytime you jack off in front of your cohorts, um, and basically force them to watch or potentially be reprimanded, I think anytime is too soon. So, so that's me though. So, so Aaron, explain, explain the thing to everything to our audience. Like, what's what's really going on with the C, Louis C.K. issue? Isn't it? So, my man, whenever the hell it was, um, you know, th- this was quite a while back, but fall uh, of last year. At the same time, everybody else was. Um, a lot of other men were being found out for this type of stuff. It's been called like, the wrecking. Yeah, so the reckoning occurred. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how far back his um, situation happened. And he admitted to this actually occurring. He backstage would pull down his pants and masturbate in front of uh, female counterparts, female comedians, who uh, and, and asked him to stay and watch him pull down his pants and do his thing. Uh, of course, it's very inappropriate. And as people found out, he was ousted, you know, uh, in this case, temporarily for the community. He recently came back and uh, started doing more stand-up. And, you know, this has split the comedy scene between people who feel like, well, look, we can't basically blackball people forever uh, because of their previous uh, malfeasance. And others who say, frankly, we feel like you know, he he just hasn't had enough of a reckoning yet. And so that's where things sit now. He went to the Comedy Cellar sometime this week, Tuesday, Wednesday, something like that. And, um, you know, now the, the conversation is being had. When is too soon for him to come back? And, um, you know, in the Comedy Cellar, a lot of those guys who, who grew up there, uh, and when I say grew up, I mean, like, as comedians, people who are, um, you know, uh, people who are in the scene and uh, continue to support each other, even once they go past like the kind of improv uh, situations out in in the New York area. Um, they're gonna mostly support each other. You, it's gonna be very rare that you ever see them come down on somebody who's among that uh, insulated group. So 
that's kind of the situation as it stands now. Louis C.K. is is trying to make his return, um, and we'll see where that goes. But that that's where things stand at this moment. So, do you think with that being said about them standing, you know, side by side with Louis C.K. is that more like that guy, that boys' club type of mentality, or um, is it is it also the female comedians that's that's kind of um, on his side as far as, you know, coming back onto the stage, or do you know? I, well, from what I've seen, mostly we've seen men say things, whether it's in support or uh, in criticism. I think in general, with stuff like this, asking women to, to come out and, and speak, you know, I, I think it's a little more perilous for them. Uh, I, I think you're seeing, one thing I like about the comedy world and that's interesting about it is that they're all independent operators, and yeah. so they're all really only accountable to their audience. I think generally that's a good thing um, because it allows comedians to speak freely and you know say things that might be too risky to say on TV. With Louis C.K., though, it's a little perilous because you've got some people who are coming out in favor of him, some people who are coming out against him. There's no real accountability from anyone except on Twitter, basically, and from fans either buying tickets or not buying tickets. Um and it's really hard to nail down what a large group of people, how a large group of people are reacting. I don't even know if I could say the comedy world is um, divided or for him or against him or 80-20 or 50-50 or whatever. Um, I don't imagine FX is going to welcome him back with open arms to have a TV show. I don't feel like a lot of large corporations are going to invite him to be a spokesman or something like that. But can he pull together you know, 100 people in a city to come see him and support a stand-up show? Probably. Well, you know, one thing, and I, I'm not necessarily saying this to push back against what you just said, but I do feel like Louis C.K., I, I think what you said about the comedy world in general is is very true. Uh, they tend to be independent actors, but Louis C.K., I think, arguably, is somebody who is uh, seen as a figurehead of that world. So his yeah. influence is uh, larger in, in that, Let's say, for example, when you hear people talk about Atlanta and, and Donald yeah. Glover and, and, and that show's influences, they tend to uh, point back to Louis, uh, yeah. like the FX show, and saying that that kind of um, show... Kind Super of, experimental, doesn't have to be funny. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And, and it, it gave opportunities to shows... Uh, like Atlanta and, and, and uh, a platform of people like Donald Glover to eventually uh, become what it became. Now, whether it's true or not is what it is, but that is the mainstream um, kind of uh, reception to that show. Like they, they see that show as, as being kind of, um, you know, a byproduct and not in a negative way, but, but like, you know, kind of like because Louis occurred, therefore Atlanta can be what it has become, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think as a comedian, he was really, really well respected. He's a really funny comedian. I mean, and his show was good. But there's a lot of people who've done great art, who've done terrible things. Um, and not to get too into the like, can you separate the artist from the action debate? Um, what's happening with this one is like, he did wrong. He admitted he did wrong. And now it's like, what's frustrating is that there's really no established situation for deciding when it's okay for him to come back, if ever. 
I mean, it isn't like a courtroom where they go, you're going to jail for three years. And after that, we can talk. Um, it's like he just kind of decided for himself. Yeah, this is a good time. And some audience members are ready for it. And some audience members are definitely not. It's a it's a weird it's one of those awkward, awful debates where there's it's just going to go on forever because there's no way to resolve it. I have a really awkward ass question to ask just out loud. Yeah. Haven't heard you say that. Is sexual harassment white collar crime? What? In a white collar workplace, it is. <laughs> the reason I ask is because as these things occur, they very rarely result in criminal charges. And yeah. that's a very white collar thing to have happen. Even like we can all agree sexual harassment in the workplace has it like just should not occur. Particularly when it gets to sexual assault. Like that should not happen. And even in cases where we see sexual assault, oftentimes or allegations of sexual assault that have some sort of evidence tied to it, it very rarely ends up in jail time. Well, in yeah. hell, oftentimes it doesn't even result in indictments. In there was a great, there was a great tweet, and I wish I could remember who said this so I could give them credit. But it was, you know, Louis C.K. wasn't shut out of comedy clubs because, you know, the comedy world was mad at him. It was a workplace safety issue. Like these women were on their jobs when he was harassing them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and another tweet um, that, that I saw said that uh, basically, if Louis C.K. stole jokes. He never could have entered the comedy world again, but just because he, you know, ruined some women's careers and 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 killed their dreams, he's allowed to come back. You know, well, within a year, a little more than that, and it's not a big deal to people. But how long? How long is too long? Uh, I guess that's the question. Like, what is the shelf life on it? Do does that mean that their career should be totally over? Like. I don't know. I I can't see Harvey Weinstein um, starting another production company anytime soon. But with comedians, with that or actors, would that be the same way? Like um, Kevin Spacey, for example. Like, can he act again? <laughs> that's a totally different. Like, topic. I mean, that's a totally different topic. But I'm saying after after you've been um, these things come up, yeah. What do you do? Like, do you no longer act? Do you no longer, can you no longer be a comedian? Um, As you say that, I, I, the most crass way I can think of putting it, although it's a very interesting uh, way of putting it, I forgot which special this was that Dave Chappelle did. It was the one where he had that longer mustache. It was <laughs> after Killing Him Softly and like, I think another special, but when he was talking about R. Kelly and he was like, how old is 15, really? Yeah. Like the girl could have gotten out of the way of of the urine if she wanted to, but she sat there. Oh Jesus! And so the <laughs> question was, how old is fifteen really? I mean, and I guess in this case the question is like how how bad? Like what what are the levels to this? You know what I mean? Like at what point is it so egregious that you're just like, there's no way that we can't forgive this person for uh, the act that they chose to do. Now, in, in a very interesting, um, you know, kind of uh, reversal, just in, in gender, uh, we have the Asia Argento situation, uh, which occurred between herself and, and uh, Jimmy Bennett. I forgot how old she was. I think at the time she was 37. Yeah. Um, 
and Jimmy I mean, was 17. One, one thing I've learned with all of these cases, just after seeing all this stuff and all these things take unexpected turns, is, yeah. you know, there's a criminal justice system. People are innocent until proven guilty. And I don't want to jump on it when it's – I don't want to ju- rush to judgment when it's turned. I don't want to rush judgment when it's anyone else. Like I think, I think the obligation we have is to listen to people who are making these accusations and respect what they're saying and respect the difficulty and courage of coming forward. But at the same time, we have to hold the idea that people are innocent until proven guilty. And I, th- I think that's the interesting part. So, like in this case, Louis C.K. said, "I did it." Yeah, and I give him credit for that. Yeah, I. That's that's. Yeah, like it's kind of interesting. Like he was, he didn't come out. Like some of these other people and say, nope, didn't happen. He, he was like, you know what? I did it. I regret doing it. I made a mistake. I actually, I made multiple mistakes. I, I It wasn't like a one-time thing. I should not have done that. It was inappropriate. And I apologize. He did say that. Definitely. That is something that happened. He was like one of the only ones who came right out and apologized. And I thought that would give him kind of a faster... I did think he would at some point come back because of that, because he owned it, and because it was fairly long ago. It was more than a decade ago. Mm-hmm. And in the last decade, he's kind of been a quote-unquote like woke comedian or has presented himself that way, maybe out of guilt. Um, but I did think that would help him eventually find a route to a comeback. This yeah. does seem fast. Yeah, it's kind of... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, no, nah, I mean, like, even if you consider it based off what you said, if it happened a decade ago, I mean, I can't even say I was the same person I am today a decade ago. You know, and I feel like it's, I think it's saying a lot to hold certain things against a person that they did, you know, 10 years ago. Unless, now, if it was something that was just, like you said, completely egregious or just super terrible, you know, it's one thing, like, if you, like, Literally, like if you murdered somebody ten years ago or physically raped some raped a woman that long ago, I could see that being something like, nah, you you need to either be in prison or you know your career is totally over. But I think like yeah. I, I I don't know like I'm not trying to take away from it. I I feel like what he did it wasn't acceptable, but at the same time, it's not it's something that you probably would do foolishly, you know, ten years ago. I, look, I, I hear you. You in a different mindset. But, but and, and look, and look, no one died, right? But, like, he did do this in front of aspiring comedians who did not have... He, he's not the icon at the time of, of his um, his his uh, transgressions that he is today. But he did, like, actually ruin people's careers. That did... I mean, And when I say ruin people's careers, I mean, like, he... he I, I, I don't honestly, this is weird. Some of the gender dynamics that might occur with that. Like, if a woman did that and she was my superior, you know, I would be very weirded out. But I will say, if a man did that, I'd feel like, what? I don't even know what to do. Okay, so with that being said, so he, he jacked off in front of these women without their consent, right? Yeah, I, think so- in one, I think in one situation, he said that he asked permission. But again, it's it's like, what That's the Clinton you, question, right? What on earth do you say in that situation? Um, do you tell no, Do you tell President Clinton no? <laughs> do you tell like a boss of yours no? I mean, you know that's I don't know. I mean, you tell in the comedy in the comedy world. So good. 
No, I was just going to say you technically can, but what were you saying in the comedy world? What? Well, I mean, there isn't like, okay, you've been promoted to vice president of comedy. You're the executive vice president of comedy. <laughs> here's, the, here's the org chart. Chris Rock is your boss. Um, yeah, you know, you're pretty much independent. It's not like Louis C.K., you report into Chris Rock. Um, you know, this person reports into Louis C.K. There isn't really a hierarchy. It's just kind of like who is on top at a given moment. And so for these female comedians who are trying to get a break and trying not to get like blackballed from comedy, I don't think they're really in a good position to tell Louis, like, actually, no, you can't. Because, because I'm going to tell my boss. Right. There, yeah. She can't go to HR. There is no comedy HR. But it's possible that some booker is going to go like, oh, what about her? Is she cool? And he goes, no, actually, she's not. Can we pause for just a second with that amazing point you just made and just figure out who would be comedy HR? <laughs> I would put Sarah Silverman in charge of comedy. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I almost said <laughs> That would be I so feel like weird. I feel like she'd be able to tell like what's a joke and what's not cool. I feel it like has she to be would, a woman, right? I think she would be good at it. I think she would like know that there's a path back for people, but that they have to go through a certain process. <laughs> I, I think she would like not cut assholes a lot of slack. I think she'd be a very good... HR person for comedy, but you know, I don't, she'd have to be like a coach on the court because you don't want her to stop doing comedy to handle everybody's disputes. I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't want, I don't want to lose her in comedy to have her like subtle fights between everybody else. You know, almost for trollish purpose, trollish purposes, I'd make an Anthony Jelzinet. Because no one would take him serious at the job, but he probably would take it serious. It's just no one would believe it. Anthony Jeselnik is one of my favorite comedians, and I'm kind of surprised he's still allowed to do what he does. Like, you know, I, people have been trying to comfort him on Twitter, like, yeah. almost in some, uh, in, in the way that they came for, oh my god, what's the guy, uh, James Gunn. Yeah. And, and he's been like, no, I do this all the time. You can't comfort like, me. It's his whole, like, I saw him a couple months ago, and he did, like, a horrible dead kid joke. And it's just like... Dead kid joke. Dude, he's so funny. You gotta watch Anthony Joseph. Like, I love him. His joke construction is so genius, but he's done such a good job of establishing, like, these are jokes. Like, the point is that they're wrong. The point is that they're bad. But he never breaks character. I, so I think good. he would. I think he would get like the most HR complaints, and <laughs> yeah, like the company would always go like, "No, he's allowed to do them." I've never yeah. heard this guy before. Oh man, you really? you gotta hear you gotta hear his rape jokes, his dead baby jokes. Um, he got some really good race jokes. Like I don't, he, he's really deadpan, and and he he'll state things in such a way where you're like, this dude is like a total asshole, but like it's all set up in like this really dark irony. Everything he says is like exactly wrong, but he's honed in on it so well, and he's established so well that he's the bad guy that you can't take it seriously. Like, like you would never see him and go like, "Oh yeah, that guy's in favor of, you know, domestic violence or something." Like he would make a joke about, he would make a like really wrong, horrible joke, but you'd still know that he was actually on the right side of that joke. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. the only dude I've heard tell a rape joke that I was like, "Okay, that was funny." He, right. uh, he he's a guy where 
Sorry, I kind of I kind of lost my train of thought. Like just thinking about Anthony Jeselnik jokes that I would not feel comfortable even trying to tell. Oh, I'm not telling any Anthony oh, yeah, Jeselnik jokes on this podcast. I, I, don't, no, think, I, mean, I don't think I want to hear a great make, joke. They won't make the recording. <laughs> it's like it's you just you just know he, he just tells it exactly the right way to give him total plausible deniability, but he's also not like. He also never lets you in on the fact that that's what he's doing. Just, I think just here's, him a, up here's the thing I think. It's worth it. He, he's a dude who I think must be so clean in his personal life. Like, he must have never done anything bad to anyone because, like, with the jokes he's told, he would go, like, straight to prison if he ever got caught doing anything. And then again, who knows? Because I thought a lot of people were totally clean. But he's a dude who seems like... He must have a. He must keep his nose clean. That's all I know. I don't think he's like. <laughs> I don't think he has skeletons in his closet. <laughs> I don't think people with skeletons in their closet go out and tell the jokes that he tells. Yeah, I, it, it's not a partisan thing. Everybody would hate him. Oh, you know? totally. Because, yeah. at the same time, you know, I, I guess it makes you seem like you're not so guilty. Because just like back when we talk about um, Asia Argento. She talk about, you know, her whole thing with Harvey Weinstein, but apparently she um, engaged in sexual acts with a 17-year-old actor. I will say about this situation, the, the thing that, for her that kind of throws me off and I don't, I don't totally understand is it's almost like when she's refuting these allegations, she took stuff from the, and I'm going to state this now in the, most crass way, but from the white male I've been accused of sexual assault playbook and was like, I'm going to say all the stuff about how why are these allegations coming up right now? This person was just trying to get paid. Somebody else told me to pay them off. It wasn't my idea. Like all the, just, just the best play action plays from the I've been accused of sexual assault playbook and just running all of them. So, so I, I guess to kind of go over the situation, so we had Asia Argento, what was she like in her late 30s? And she yeah, had sex. Yeah, time of the allegations, yeah. Okay. So she had yeah, sex with Jimmy Bennett, who was 17 at the time. Allegedly. Alleged, excuse me, allegedly 17. No, well, no, allegedly had sex with Jimmy Bennett. He was 17 at the time that, that the allegations are alleged to have occurred. Well, allegedly had sex with the boy. So then he comes back, and I guess he's in emotional turmoil or something. And, and to I guess to keep him quiet, she said her, at the time, boyfriend, Anthony Bourdain, had paid him a settlement, right? Yeah, I don't know if she's saying he. Pay, I can't remember this particular part. I know she. She said that he advised that she I make think, those payments. I, think, I don't well, know if it was his yeah, money. He, I think she paid it. She, yeah, but he she did basically pay. put responsibility for it on him. Yeah, yeah. He, a, a person who passed away and can't speak up for himself. Yeah, but uh, allegedly, how the story goes is that Anthony Bourdain t- took care of it, and a part of why Bennett was making these particular allegations was because. He knew that Anthony Bourdain had the money to pay him, or something like that. She said. 
And so... <laughs> it goes real deep in the rabbit hole, but the best version of her account is, these are groundless, there's no basis for this, but I was in the middle of a lot of other, you know, obviously very stressful stuff going on with Harvey Weinstein, and to sort of keep me from being distracted by this, you know, untrue accusation, uh, he received a settlement organized through my boyfriend, Anthony Bourdain. And the worst version is, um, in the midst of her accusing Harvey Weinstein of sexual misconduct, she herself had committed sexual misconduct and then paid off an accuser. And while, you know, I'd love to, you know, hear out that it's baseless, those pictures do not look good that are out there in the ether. With them laying in the bed together? Yeah, um, um, great. Asia Argento and Jimmy Bennett, right? If you an adult laying in bed with a teenager and you the one that look all inebriated, that just looks. Weird. I mean, not like that you should be she, laying in, like in he bed actually with a teenager looks anyway, sober. Dang. See, that's another thing. He looks extremely sober on the picture. She looks a little drunk. Um. So this is this is my thing. Maybe maybe I'm just backwards. I don't know. Maybe this just. The Tennessee and me talking, but um, I know what you're gonna say. <laughs> I literally, I honestly don't see the problem. Like, I'm 17. I bang a 37 year old woman. I don't know if I'll be messed up about that. To be honest with you, I or, don't know the name of the South Park episode. Or, or, I'm just saying, like or, all y'all should watch the one with Kyle's brother uh, getting caught up with the teacher. At whatever the name of the South Park Elementary School is, and the police are sitting there going, "Nice." You know, I mean, or maybe that's just me. Maybe, maybe I'm just tripping. Like, because, because okay. this Here's is what. Thing. What are you gonna say? For for me, I'm trying to, I'm trying to. I, I'm always looking for a way to not let my personal judgment get into these situations. And to follow the laws. And what's frustrating about a lot of these accusations is that they're outside of the law. They're outside of, like, the courts. Yeah. And we all know the courts have their problems, too. But the courts are kind of the least messed up system we have. Like, the courts are probably more just than Twitter. Probably. I'd um, hope so. And in this case, legally, if this is true, if his accusation is true, she's in trouble. Like, legally... She's not supposed to have sex with a 17-year-old boy. So whether we can all go like, well, you know, if I were 17 and this happened to me, I wouldn't care or whatever, or I hypothetically wouldn't regret having sex with an older woman or whatever. Legally, it's not allowed. So it's kind of, she's, she's now in this position, if these accusations are true, where she could face some consequences. And that would be why she would have paid the guy off. Now, um, Keith, let me ask you this question too. With that in mind, would you feel any different if the if the genders were reversed and that the ages stayed the same? Let me think about that for a second. I think so. When we talk about the the Me Too movement, right? Uh-huh. A lot of these situations, according to like the situation where these particular women felt, I guess, powerless in a sense. It was a situation that some of it was consensual, some of it wasn't quite consensual. Or it was like, oh, I think I need to do this because of A, B, C, and D, right? Because I feel like 
if I don't, then I'll be out of Hollywood. If I don't have sex with this dude or if I don't watch him jack off or if I don't suck his penis, whatever it is, right? So this is my thing. I, I really, I don't think it's right. I'm not saying that people should go around having sex with teenagers. Don't get me wrong. But it's something about, like, I don't know, consensual sex. I mean, like I said, once again, maybe I'm backwards in saying this, but I think when you're 17 years old and 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 up, even 16, you know what you're doing, you know? You, All right, you like, said you're making a day spell argument. I'm not saying like, it's a hey, wrong argument to make. I'm just saying, definitely like, a day I'm just spell saying like, I mean, of course, you're a different person you know, at 20, 22 or whatever, then you might have been when you were 16, but you're not that different. You you know right from wrong. You knew that you wanted to get you some ass. Like I'm not like, going to lie. I feel my, like the legal age of 18 is, I don't know who came up with that, and I don't it's, think it's, it's a federal it, thing, whatever, but I, I do think that that's a really good cutoff because you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Like, I mean, and... and, and People like look. We can look at at Bill Clinton and and tell that like sometimes you just no matter how old you are, you ain't got no control over your hormones. Well, they set these arbitrary laws because better safe than sorry, right? They got to set it for the worst case scenario, not for the best case scenario. Is there an eighteen year old who can drink alcohol responsibly? Absolutely, but they just set it twenty one because you know they're trying to play it safe, essentially. And yeah. with a lot of these consent laws, they have to plan them. They have to set kind of a one-size-fits-all model in order to protect the most vulnerable. I mean, that is very well said. I agree just, with that. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I can see that. I just think I honestly, I always thought that eighteen was a weird age to be like, okay, now you can do this or you can be exposed to this now that you're eighteen. But then, like you said, at twenty-one, of course, you can't drive. Well, I mean, because at that point, honestly, I think the the main thing is you're putting the onus on the person who's older to just chill. Just wait till they're 18. Like, it's not that big a deal. It's like when people tell you, you know, like, I mean, this is a very strange example. I don't know why I'm thinking of this right now. But in professional sports, most of the time, they don't drug test you, like, after the season. And they're basically just saying, like, look, you can smoke weed when the season's not not going, but during the season, we're going to tell you when we're going to drug test you. Don't smoke weed right here. That's all we're asking. If you smoke weed right here and we test you, we're going to catch you with marijuana. If you cannot just abide by this particular time period, you kind of addicted to weed. Uh, and I'm- we're just asking you to have some self-control. Just wait a second. Just wait. Just chill. Like, this person is 16, 17, whatever, adult, whoever you are, just wait till they're 18. We're not even going to bother you then. Yeah, but, but another thing I'm thinking about, too, is that, so, so Jimmy Bennett, I mean, not to take anything away from how he feel about it, but how he described the situation, he, he it's almost like it's something traumatizing to him. Like, like he was a victim. She used him, or almost like she raped him, and then he has to have dealt with this for a matter of years, and now he's coming out about it, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, I'm gonna be honest with you, why I think it really was. This is why I think it really was. 
He knew this woman. He thought she was hot. She was drunk one night. They were hanging out. She made a move on him, and he was wanting it. They had sex, and it was the most amazing thing to him in his old little teenage brain. He thinking they finna get together, get married, have kids, all this other shit. And she like, no, this was weird. I was fucked up. And, that, and all right, so so all right, but but he, now now you get into something different though. I think that's what I think. But, but no, but hold on, hold on, hold on. So look, look, look. All right, for example, the the thing you you're getting into right now, all you focus on is age. So it was a question: age, or but I think mis- misunderstood intent. But I think what we're doing is doing the thing that everybody does in these cases, which is what frustrates me about them so much, is that we put our own experience onto it and we put our own background and our opinion of what happened on a situation and we we say things like oh well all men do this or like well any woman would do this or no normal woman would do this or normal man would do this or whatever and yeah. put whatever we assume we would have done in that situation or our friends would have done in that situation or someone else in our experience has always handled that type of situation but every single situation is weird and unique and its own completely unknowable thing unless you were there that's true. Like, and that, and that's why we come up with these very arbitrary laws. Like, there are certainly people who, you know, sixteen-year-olds who had sex with their nineteen-year-old significant other, and then they got married and lived happily ever after. And although statutory rape technically occurred, everything worked out okay um, in the end. But it was still, technically speaking and legally speaking, a crime. I mean, I might not have. I guess it depends from state to state. Where some states that would be legal, I mean, no, but, some but that's that's typically but, true in many states. The way you just stated it, I think, I think that would be, I think that would be considered illegal. But I think also, if those people then went on and got married, most judges would not prosecute, or most prosecutors would not prosecute it. Um, and then there's also the tricky thing with like age of consent laws. I remember covering a child. It was a really ugly case, like a child sexual assault case where the guy was 20, the girl was 12, and he said, oh, no, no, this was completely consensual. And the judge was like, oh, this was completely consensual, like everything was consensual. And it was like, idiots, like a 12-year-old cannot give consent. I just made the most crazy mean face. I don't, yeah, I don't care how great and responsible a 12-year-old this is, a 12-year-old cannot give consent ever. Like, let's just establish that. I have That's not just, reached high school yet. I consent to sex now. For the sake of for the sake of keeping some kind of order in our society, let's all agree that that is not a thing. And yeah. you know that's why we get these arbitrary. I mean, my God, are there sixteen-year-olds who would make better decisions at the ballot box than thirty-year-olds? Absolutely. Can they vote? Sadly, no. Like because we just have to set some arbitrary laws. The Me Too movement is obviously a good thing, and these guys getting called out is obviously a good thing. But one thing that's really difficult for everyone around it, I think it's safe to say, is that we haven't really established rules or laws or any formal processes around it, um, whereby the guilty would be punished, and we might find a way back, not way back, but we might find a resolution to some of these issues. Like, There's no set of rules like, okay, you're a comedian who sexually harassed several other comedians X number of years ago in this degree of terrible way, that translates to this many years out of the business or the end of your career altogether. We just don't know. 
Every, so, we, have, so, we as a society have to make up these rules. I have a question, actually, to, to follow up on, on that that train of thought. You, you spoke about it in particular in terms of career, but should we be thinking about these things in terms of, like, actually criminal punishment and, and you know, time behind jail or parole or, you know, anything else? Ideally, it would be great to have to have everything go through a working criminal justice system, but we have a flawed criminal justice system, one, and two, we have statutes of limitations, which means some of these things will never be tried in a formal way. Yeah. And but we saw that with Bill Cosby in particular for, for quite a while. A lot of those cases will never go to court and will never get a formal resolution one way or the other. Yeah. We certainly have our strong opinions about what happened there. But, you know, some of these women will never get justice in the sense that they will never have a jury say, yes, you are right, he is wrong. This is this is the punishment that he should face. Statue of limitations just feel like such bullshit. And I feel like, you know, there was that, uh, this is a totally different topic, but uh, what happened in Pennsylvania with the um, the priest in, uh, in, in the Catholic Church who... Um, had a myriad of examples of abuse, over a thousand people who had been abused over decades. Um, they've There's a, a push to remove, in those circumstances, the statute of limitations uh, for people to come forward. I, I don't necessarily think that that means that, that that's going to be widespread beyond the Catholic Church, but I, I do think that you know, it's an unfortunate set of circumstances now that, that that is what keeps so many people from feeling as if they'll be punished, you know? I was thinking about this today, actually, and I don't know what made me think of it, but something you guys talked about on the Bill Cosby episode of your other podcast, Meanwhile in the Multiverse, when you talked about just the importance of rape kits and the importance of actually testing the rape kits, and, you know... However many rape kits are untested in a given community, that's X number of crimes that are unsolved and X number of potential crimes that can be committed again because that person isn't brought in and brought to justice. And just like how important that is and what a concrete concrete goal it is that we can actually do something about, you know, in a world where there's so much frustrated, frustrating, uh, unsolvable stuff, that one seems like a really easy one to solve, like putting some money and some effort into making sure that every rape kit gets tested. I feel like there's something that we should definitely bring an expert on to to discuss. I, th- there's got to be some intricacies on that that, you know, we just are not keen to. Um, you know, I, I'm sure it's not just as simple as, well, just test the rape kits, of course. Like, there's got to be something more to it than, than just simply people deciding not to do it. Um, but with that in mind, uh, you know, we're, we're coming close up on, uh, you know, the time we like to close. Um Keith, I mean, anything that you'd like to add as we're uh, coming to a conclusion on on this uh, somber episode? <laughs> I don't consider it to be somber. I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> I, we always say it's going to be a somber episode. It's a I, bad sell. I don't necessarily yeah, think yeah, it's I, somber. Yeah, yeah, I, think, yeah, I guess I shouldn't put it that way. We, we did, I feel like, mostly keep a, a pretty uh, appropriate tone. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's just, it's just, 
Like I said, I think I think it's something um, that we have to kind of take into consideration. Like, you know, what are the statute of limitations? Like, what is, I mean, what is really considered to be sexual harassment in certain cases, and what's con- what could be considered consensual, what's not, you know, so on and so forth. So, I mean, I ain't got nothing else to add. So. I just really feel like we should we should always go back to the Dave Chappelle question. How old is fifteen really? <laughs> I don't know if I get that joke and I don't know if I want to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth going back and revisiting. It's a funny ass joke. And it, it's, I gotta it's find really, it. It's really disturbing in a lot of ways, but it's you know, hey, well, you know, given what we're talking about. Well, yeah, maybe, maybe, I mean, maybe, how old is fifteen really? Maybe you could share that in the show notes somewhere. Yeah, man, it's, it's <laughs> an interesting joke. I, it's it's not necessarily one I would have the courage to tell on stage. But uh, yeah, man, it's um, I don't know. These things are are complicated. They're they're not straightforward, and at the very least, now we're having the conversations. Which is always a positive, and, and I feel like you know we're going to benefit from them. It's just a matter of you know um, um, you being, being willing totally. to listen. You know? Yeah. All right, then. So I guess we're going to wrap this episode up. Been nice kicking it with y'all. Um, Thanks, you guys. That's yeah. Fun. Be sure to leave a review, and also to check out our podcast. Meanwhile, in the multiverse with me and Aaron. And check out Tim, um, Tim, Tim, and um, uh, Matt Donnelly. Matt Donnelly. <laughs> for, um, for shoot this now. I'm gonna meet Matt one day, man. I'm gonna give him like the biggest hug. He's so entertaining. Yeah, he's a he's a superstar. Did I tell he's it, a man. rock star. Both of you. Yeah, man, oh yeah, I'm coming. Happen. Most definitely. All right. All right, we out. All right, y'all See take care. Right, peace. All right, I gotta go eat ice cream.